Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series we've called Reset. And uh, you may be wondering, well, why reset? What, what, what is it that we're resetting? Or what's the idea behind reset? And uh, l- let me give you three, and I'll give you one in the, co- I'll give you different ones in the coming week. But we need a reset, number one, because we believe that God is a God of new beginnings. That he is the God of second chances. That God is into newness. Amen? And not only that, but we also believe that when things are not working, that when things are not as effective as they should be, when things are not as productive as they should be, that we don't discard things, that we don't throw them away, that we do a reset. When our phone gets stuck or our computer freezes, we don't throw it away, we do a reset. But the third reason that we're doing a reset is because in time and with time, life will take your values, priorities, and beliefs out of order. I mean, just the in and out of cooking breakfast and taking the kids to lunch and going to work and and dealing with life, your values, your priorities and beliefs will get out of whack. And you need a reset. You need to say, well, I know what I want number one, two, and three, and four to be, but I'm not really living that way because just life has gotten the best of me. So what do we do? We do a reset. Let me give you an example of what this means. Just a little reality check. Parents, would you want to be more liked at work or at home? We need to have our values and beliefs and priorities in order. Parents, would you want your kids to spend more time with their coach or with you? We need our priorities, our values, and our beliefs in order. Would you want to know more about TV than you do about your spouse? Well, then you need to have the right priorities, values, and beliefs. Would you want to have things you don't need or have financial freedom? Well, then you need to have your values, beliefs, and priorities in order. And we often need to do a reset. And when we're doing this reset, the one thing, the one person we got to put first is God. Amen? Because if God is in order, then life is in order. And when God is not in the right order, then nothing in our life is in order. I believe that a lot of the stress that we have today is that God is really not first in our lives. And we're doing things that he could take care of if he was only first. Because after all, that's what he tells us. Look at what Matthew 6, It's been the verse of our series. I hope by now you've memorized it. If not, I would encourage you to. Look at what Jesus said. He said, but seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, everything else, will be given to you as well. You know, I had you guys make a written commitment that you were going to fast. And I said, hey, what's something that I could pray for? Some of you wrote me a whole grocery list in that thing. I don't know what part of one thing, but, but that's fine. 
Uh, you got a pastor that loves you, so I've prayed for every single of your petitions, not just the first one. But in those, I, I, I was really, I, I was really uh, encouraged by the fact that the number one thing I saw is you guys asking, I want to go deeper with the Lord. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to trust him more. I want to commit myself back. In fact, one young man wrote it this way, and I loved it. And he said, this year, I want to come back to God. And I've been praying for every single one of those petitions. But given that that was one of those, I want to show you how to put God first. And I'm going to give you a physical illustration, and then we're going to jump into the habit. But, but, but I wanted to, because I said throughout this series, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you different ways of putting God first, right? Last week we said, we saw that we are to love God first. That for God to be first, we got to love him first. A lot of times we love God, we just don't love him first. And today what I want to do is I want to show you really, really quickly how you can go deeper and deeper and how you can grow in your relationship with God. A survey was done of believers, of churchgoers, and their relationship with God. And every single one of us is in one of these categories. And I would encourage you to find what category you're in so that you know what next step to take. And a survey was done of a lot of believers just to see where their relationship was. And here's the four categories of your relationship with God. And let me show you the first one. The first uh, category is of those that are, are exploring God. We, we, we just put the main letters, but you can write it out. It is exploring God. This is not in your outline. You can, instead of drawing Pikachu on your outline, you can draw something beneficial. Man, I find your outlines. I find them. Some of you are drawing flowers and tattoos and... So the first stage is exploring God. And, and, and the people that are exploring God, they're people that, that maybe they come to church, they like church, they like the idea of church, but they haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They haven't made that commitment. And some people stay in this category for, for a service. Others stay for it for a month. Others stay for it for a long time. But the first category is where you're like, I, I just... I, before, before I go all in, I, I just want to make sure, I want to know about this God. I want to know about this whole church thing. So the first category is exploring God. But then from exploring God, you go to the second one, which is beginning in God. When you make that commitment with the Lord and you're a newborn believer, you're a baby Christian, you're beginning in God. You have a relationship with God. Before you had fellowship with God, you would hang around where God hangs around, but now you have a friendship, you have a relationship with God. But then from beginning in God, you go to close to God. Not only are you beginning in God, but now you're close to God, right? And, and, and the way you can see it here is that you go from being in a relationship with God to being a disciple of God, where you're following him. Right? So you're close to God. You're not beginning, but you're close to God. But here's the last stage, and here's where we all should get to. We get to be God-centered people. Where we're not just close to God, but where we're God-centered, where God really is everything in our lives. And our lives revolved around him, his word, his desires, his purpose for us. And that's where we all want to get to, right? That's where we could say, Jesus is truly our Lord. Amen. And when I think about, about God-centered people, I think about Commander Rudy and Denise. 
I think about people like Martha. I think about people like Steve. You can tell they're God-centered people. Not only are they close to God, but they're, they're people that throughout their lifetime have given the testimony that their lives are centered around God. I've been trying to get Manolo from beginning in God to getting close to God. I'm joking, I'm joking. Let me, let me, let me show you another way. Let me show you using two other scriptures. Um, there were some phrases that Jesus used that we could also see this progress, right? Uh, for example, Jesus said, come to me. Those are exploring God. If you're exploring God, Jesus would say to you, come to me. But then also Jesus said, follow me. And those are the ones that are beginning in God. But then Jesus also said, trust me. Those are the ones that are close to God. But then he also said, do as I do. And those are the ones that are God-centered. If you take the passage of of the vine in, in the gospel of John, you also see these four stages, right? John speaks about a vine that gives no fruit. If you're exploring God, there's no fruit. You're around God, but God can't do anything in you. So there's no fruit in your life. But then you come to God and you begin in God and there's fruit. You went from no fruit to now giving fruit. But John also tells us in that passage, well, Jesus tells us in the passage that when we get close to God, we go from fruit to more fruit. So not only is there fruit in our line, but, but now there's more fruit. But there's a last stage that Jesus says, and that's where we bear much fruit. Where do you want to be? No fruit or much fruit? So as you go this year and say, I want to get closer to God, identify where you are and know where you got to go to next. Are you trusting God? See, let's look at the words that Jesus said. Come to me. Those of you that are, expl- that are exploring God, the next thing you got to do is you got you to follow Jesus. You got to make that commitment. And maybe you already said, I'm following Jesus, but you stop there. The next thing you got to do is begin to trust Jesus in your life. Begin to trust him with your time. Begin to trust him with your relationships. Begin to trust him with your money. Or maybe you are close to God, but you've been there for a while and you want to make that last final leap to be a God-centered people. Well, then do as Jesus did. Begin to operate in the supernatural. Begin to operate with extravagant love. Begin to believe the way Jesus believed. Amen? So anyways, I wanted to show you that because that is how we can grow because I think sometimes when we say, I just want to grow in God, we, it, it's kind of this uh, idea that is abstract, right? And, and uh, we don't know how to do it. So this provides a way for us. Now, how do, you do, how do you jump to the next stages? That's what we're talking about in this series. Spiritual habits. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, right there in your outlines. He says, train yourself for what? Godliness, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the what? For the life to come. To train is to have habits. When you train yourself, you have habits, you have routines, right? And these routines, these habits help you to go from exploring God to being a God-centered person. Now, we've been talking about these habits. The first habit that we talked about that can help us grow in God is fasting. And fasting is to consecrate ourselves unto God, to set ourselves aside from certain things, especially food, to say, Lord, I want more. See, fasting is about craving God's presence. But last week, we saw the second habit. And we said that we need to reset our experience with the word of God. 
that the word of God is meant to work in us. But the effectiveness of God's word in us depends on us. If we read it, if we believe it, if we declare it, and if we act it out, then the word of God will act out in us. Today, I want to talk to you about the third one. And this is my favorite one, if I may say. And I believe the easiest one, well, at least for me. Today, I want to talk to you about resetting your community uh, connections. In other words, your relationships with one another. The Bible makes it very clear that we are a family. We are a spiritual family. We are God's family. And we are not to be a dysfunctional family. We are not to be a toxic family. We are not to be a disconnected family. We are not to be a political family. We are to be a family that maintains the unity in Christ. In fact, look at what Romans 12, 5 says. Look at what Paul writes in the book of Romans. He says, in the same way, we are what? Many people. We are many people, but in Christ, we are all what? One body. We are the parts of that body. And look at this. And each part belongs to what? To all the others. Another thing that is going to help us grow to become God-centered people, help us grow, is the way we relate with one another. I want to have a little bit of fun. Is it okay if we have a little bit of fun? I want to do an exercise. I want to invite you to take your phone out. Take your phone out. Come on. Come on. Some of you guys already had it out. Take your phone out. I want you to put it on ring and put it the loudest. Okay? We're going to do an exercise. And there's a prize. There's a prize. I promise you there's a prize. Look, I have it right here. Okay? Take your phone out. I want to give everybody a shot. Have your phone in your hand. Okay? Make sure it's able to ring. You ready? Everybody's ready? Uh, we got to give the Android people a little bit more time because. <laughs> That's another inside joke with my brother and my sister-in-law. They're the only rebels in need of Jesus when it comes to fonts. Okay, there we go. So somebody tested. Okay, you ready for this? Here's what I want you to do. Okay. You ready? I want you to call somebody that's here in church right now. Call somebody that's here in church. First phone or ring wins. I need to hear it. That one? That one rang? Okay, who did, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't get, who did you call? Okay, so we got a winner over there. Manolo, would you give it to them? Thank you. All right, it's not the, okay, okay. Now, here's the thing. Turn off your phones and put them away now. That was it. Turn them off, put them away. That's it. Question. How hard was it for you to call somebody in church? Because although... It's an innocent illustration. It's a really good indication of your connections with your church family. If you had to think, who do I call and do I have their number? Your connections may not be as strong. And if we want to get closer to God, 
The one thing we need to do is get closer to one another. Here's the one thing I want you to hear me. If there's something I want you to walk away with today, it's the following. It is wrong to believe that because you're close to God, you don't need to be close to other people. It's wrong. Not only is it not healthy, it's wrong. Can I prove that to you? Look at what John says right there in your outlines in John 4.20. It says, but if we say we love God and don't love each other, we are what? Come on, ouch. God, I love you. I just can't stand the people in church. I want nothing to do with them. As soon as service is done, I run to my car and I will not see them till next week. And thank God for that. Can I read that once again so it settles in? If we say we love God and don't love each other, we are what? Liars. And you know what the second part of that verse says, right? I didn't put it on there, but you know what it says. He says, if you cannot love your brother who you can see, how can you love God whom you haven't seen? Hey, Hey, here's the thing. God created us to be in community, to be connected to other people. And and, and let me tell you something. You cannot thrive as a Christian outside of community. I'll even go as far as to say this. You will not last long as a Christian without community. Because just as the isolated antelope gets eaten by the prey, the isolated Christian becomes an easy prey for the enemy. And not only will you not grow, but you will not thrive and likely you will not last. So I want to talk to those watching online. I'm grateful that some of you are connecting even though uh, you're at home. And we're grateful. We We have a great online team and Gonzalo is beginning to develop that team even more. Amen. But us, a screen was never supposed to replace a human face. A living room was never supposed to replace the house of God. Online is for when we're sick. Online is for when we're traveling. Online is for when we have emergencies, not for when we, ah, we don't feel like going today. We're just going to stay and have home church. I I, I like that I see a couple of heads nodding. Let let me give you this biblical truth, and I think they'll put it up, up here. The Bible tells us that not only we not only that we need each other, but you ready for this? That we belong to each other. We belong to each other. And if you don't want to belong to other people, that's going to be really hard and impossible. Because in Christ, we are made one body. God is not a daddy, he's a father. A daddy, somebody who's only got one son or one daughter, and God has many, and we belong to one another. So here's what I want to do, okay? I want to encourage you to reset your community connections, to love other people and let other people love you. So what I want to do really quickly is I want to give you three motivations, three things that being in community will do for you. And then I want to talk about four ways that here at Dayspring, we want to nurture those communities. Okay, you ready? Are you with me? Can you wake up the person next to you and say, are you ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, number one. The first benefit 
of living in community is that connecting in community, number one, will make me a better person. Will make me a better person. Being in community will make me a better person, okay? Now, it's going to start off negative, but I promise you it's going to get positive, okay? You ready? Do you know what the number one reason people avoid community? People are difficult. They're toxic. They got drama. They're impatient. Some talk too much. Others don't talk enough. Some are too straightforward. Others, you know, people are difficult. But hear me out. It is because of that difficultness where the benefit for us comes. Because we become better, not by dealing with ideal situations, but by dealing with difficult situations. Let me put it to you this way. It's kind of like lifting weights, right? Why don't people want to work out? Because it's not easy. It's not easy, right? It's easier to sit in the couch and eat popcorn and watch football all day. It's a lot harder to change, go to the gym, and lift weights. Now, here's the thing. When you go to the gym, they have all kinds of weights, right? Lorena's been going to the gym with me and... uh, She's at this end of the rack, and I'm getting to this end of the rack, right? But, but here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. <laughs> if Lorena was here, I promise you she would tell me, flex, para que se les quite, but I won't do that. Um, but when you go to the gym, they have all kinds of weights. Now, if you go for the lighter ones, let's say a three-pound or a five-pound weight, and you keep working with us, that's not going to create much benefit for you. That's going to be easy on you, but that's not going to create much benefit for you. But let's say you walk down the rack and you grab some 45s. Suddenly you're grunting and groaning and sweating and you're going to be sore. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to see that your muscles are growing. You're going to begin to see that not only... Are your muscles growing, but you're looking better? The more difficult people you deal with, the better you can become. Because it's an opportunity for God to show you how to love, to show you how to be generous, to show you how to listen, to show you how to be kind. And when we are in community, what often pushes us away from community is what God wants to use to work in our lives. The Bible put it this way. You know this verse. Look at what it says. As iron sharpens iron, so one person what? Sharpens another person, right? Living disconnected will save you discomfort, headaches, drama, but it won't make you a better person. In fact, I want to say this very respectfully. If you run from community because you don't want to deal with difficult people, you will become what you're running from. Because you won't have somebody to sharpen you, somebody to make you better, somebody to tell you, you know what? You're not that kind. You know what? You're kind of stingy. You know what? You need to shower. (laughs) Because just as a knife is sharpened, when tension is created with another metal, God uses our relationships to work in us. And when we are in community, God uses that to make us better individuals, to make us godlier individuals. We become better people when we are in community. 
Look at what Galatians 6, 2, and 3 says. It says, share each other's what? Burdens. You know what burdens are? Problems, difficulties. I got another ticket, pastor. I'm getting kicked out again because I haven't paid my rent. My wife kicked me out again. My husband's drinking again. Share each other's what? Burdens. Look at this. Here's why. In this way, obey. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ was love one another as I have loved you. You cannot obey the law of Christ if you're not in community. If you're not willing to share in the burdens of other people. And it gets better. I, I, I love it. I love that the Bible says this and not me. Because if I said this to you, you would slap me and then not come back. But look at what it says. Here it is. For some of you that are still building up some walls. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Ouch. You know, I'm going to give you a secret, and I've learned this the hard way. When you deal with somebody that's different or difficult, don't pray for God to change them, unless it's a sin issue, unless they're sinning. Like if they're drinking, of course. If they're in drugs, of course. If they're stealing, of course. But if it's somebody that, for example, let's say somebody that's um, always late, don't pray for God to change them. Pray for God to change you. Because that you have control over. Say, God, when they're late, help me to not lose my temper. God, I know they're messy, but help me to not lose my peace over their messiness. That's how you become a better person in community. When you say, God, see, because the easy thing is what? For God to change them. You know what? When I, when I meet with couples in therapy, you know what the number one thing they want? For the other person to change. You know, he does this, he, she does that. But what if God changed us? You know, I, I made a decision a while back and it's helped me wonderfully. And I made a decision that I was going to treat people because that was the kind of person I wanted to be and not because they deserved it. That I was going to be generous with stingy people, not because they deserved it, but because I want to be a generous person that I was going to be a helpful person for people who didn't help and didn't get involved, not because they deserved it, but because that's the kind of person I wanted to be. And I have an opportunity to be patient when there's an opportunity to be impatient. I have an opportunity to be kind when people are unkind. But that can't happen if you're not in what? In community. Let me give you one more verse. I was tempted to camp here, but I won't. But I, I know that I need to share it. Look at what Colossians 3.13 says. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as what? The Lord what? Hey, we're going to hurt each other. And can I just be honest? Sometimes we're going to do it directly and many times we're going to do it indirectly. But we need to forgive each other. We're going to say things we didn't think twice. We're going to, we're going to do things that others are going to find offensive. And we're told to, to forgive one another. Because the moment that we begin to build resentment in our heart, we are not becoming a better person. And what keeps the unity, what keeps the bond, 
is forgiveness. So I don't know if maybe somebody wears cologne you don't like and, you know, or maybe somebody began to sit where you've always sat. Or maybe somebody always goes to the cafe and never gives a donation and you kind of don't like that. But we need to forgive one another and say, you know what? Our unity, what Christ has done, is much bigger than the differences we have with one another. Amen? So number one, living in community will make you a better person. Number two, connecting in community will strengthen your spiritual life. It will strengthen your spiritual life. And and I'll I'll put it to you this way. Um, We all need others to grow spiritually. We all need others. Nobody grows spiritually by themselves. We all need other people. In fact, I'll give you something that I hope is something else you stay. You are a relationship away from your next level of growth in your spiritual walk. If you want to go from exploring God to beginning in God, you're likely going to need a relationship. You're going to need somebody to help you, to point you to Jesus, to show you what Jesus is like. If you want to go from close to God to God center, you're going to need somebody that's already doing it to show you how to do that. And when we live in community, not only can we become a better person, but our spiritual life can grow. God did not mean for you to be a believer by yourself. The Bible is filled with one another's that you cannot do unless you are in community. You know why I asked you to pray for your children, to pray for one another? Because that'll push you to grow spiritually, to believe that there is an anointing in you where you can bless somebody else. To go from, from we fought on the way here to church and now I got to put my hand over her forehead and declare good things, that grows you spiritually. Come on, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking, amen? Look at what Hebrews 10, 24 says. It says, let us, let us think of ways to what? To motivate one another to acts of love and what? Good works. If it's true that we become like the people we hang around with the most, shouldn't we be hanging around with other believers? I have a big problem. When we have a better relationship with the soccer team than we do with our church. I have a big problem when we have better connections at the gym than we do at church. I got a problem when we got better relationships at the grocery store than we do at church. Something is wrong. Because if we're going to grow spiritually, we need each other. Can I prove that to you? I want you to think about when you've made your biggest leap in your walk with Christ. Chances are that you didn't do it alone. Chances are that you were either in a life group, you had a spiritual mentor, or you were in a group that just pushed you to go further, right? Now, I want you to think about a moment or a season when you walked away from God. Chances are you were with the wrong friendships. Chances are you were hanging around the wrong people. Why? Because your community has an impact on your walk with God. And if you want to grow with God, you got to get in community. You got to get in community. In fact, let let me go as far to say, some of you can testify. And if you can't, I want you to help me out. As Manolo says, let me hear a witness. Some of you would have walked away from church already if it weren't for the relationships you have in church. 
Because see, when God disappointed you and when God was distant, it was the fact that you had some really cool friends at church that you enjoyed being around certain people and you kept coming to church. And God will use our relationships to impact our spiritual life. When your marriage is going through a storm, it will be other relationships in church that can help you stay on course. When your kids are acting like the little monsters, they are, no, I'm joking. It will be the relationships that you have with others that can help you. Amen? So you are one relationship away from growing in your spiritual walk. Let me show you one, one last thing and then I'll jump to the next one. Look at what Jesus said. This is so awesome. In Matthew 18, 19, he says, I, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will what? We'll do it. There's a blessing that God sends when, when two or three agree on something. That pleases God. The Psalms tell us that, 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 is, that it is in unity where God sends his blessing. So there might be some things in your life that God wants to answer, but he's waiting for you to get in community, to have somebody else pray with you and for you, and he'll do it. Amen? So once again, we are always a relationship away from the next level of growth in our community. Number three. Number three, and I think this is a big one. Um, uh, Getting in community, uh, resetting our community connections will help us support our witness to unbelievers. Somebody didn't turn off their phone. See, they don't listen to the pastor. (laughs) This is like my kids. They don't listen to me anymore either. (laughs) Number three, it'll support your witness to unbelievers. Did you know that the way that we get along is a great witness to the world that Jesus is Lord? They're not going to believe that Jesus is Lord if we don't get along. I, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Look at what he says in John 17, 21. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one so that the world will believe what? You sent me. I got a question for you. In fact, I dare you to do this throughout this week. I want you to ask your coworkers that are not believers, your family members that are not believers, your friends that are not believers. I want you to ask them this question. Hey, would you say that Christians are united? What do you think they would say? United? No. Crazy? Definitely. (laughs) And see, our ability to love one another will attract people to Jesus. Because who doesn't want to be in a place where they're loved, where they're valued, where they're helped, where they're understood? And the problem is not that we don't want to be loved, that we don't want to be helped. The problem is that we don't want to love and we don't want to help. And our community connections will give a testimony to unbelievers that Jesus is Lord. Look at what John 13, 35 says. All people will know that you are my followers if you what? If you love each other. If you love each other. Your unbelieving spouse may be more willing to come if they saw your Christian community just love on you extravagantly. We need to do that. That's what community does. If we can get love right, it'll impact everything else. Amen. So those are three. Now, let me give you, and I'll finish up really quick. Let me give you how we want to nurture community in our church. Are you ready? You you should know these, but um, in case you don't, I want to remind you. Number one, and you can fill this out, is by celebrating as a large group, right? Sundays, Sundays. We want to meet on Sundays to celebrate the Lord. Sundays are the foundation to our community, 
right? We celebrate what Christ has done for us, right? What are the, it feels good to be in a room with, with a lot of people, doesn't it? I mean, when you walk in here and if you only saw like five people, would that affect your experience of church? Yes, for many people it would. But if you walk in here and you say, oh man, there's no chairs. Something good must be happening here. So see, so you matter. When there's more empty seats than filled seats, it affects your experience. It affects you. So don't be a reason for an empty seat. Don't stay home just because it rains, which I'm proud you didn't do today. Don't stay home because there's a football game. Tivo it later, amen? Especially if you're a Raider fan. You know they're going to lose. So the number one way, the number one, he's telling me to wrap it up because he's a Raider fan. Um, The number one way that we nurture community is by celebrating all of us together. I love, I love to see you with your families. I love to see you with your loved ones. I love seeing you walk in with your daughters, with your son, with your spouse. That's awesome. So Sunday celebrations are one. But that's the surface. That's the beginning. Let me give you the second way that we want to nurture community. And that's doing life in life groups. Doing life in life groups. I I want to see everybody in a life group. I would love to see everybody. In fact, can I tell you something? Can I tell you how much I believe in life groups? I would trade Sundays for my life group. I would. If they gave me the choice, you can can only go on Wednesdays or you can go on Sundays, I'll take Wednesdays. That's how much I love my life group. You know why? Because we can go deeper, because we can connect, because we can relate, right? And, and, and that's, that, that's what, it's, what it's about. And, and in fact, in our life group, I love what we're doing. One of the goals that we have this year is that we want to go away for a few days as a life group. We want to either go away as couples or go away with our families in a short trip. We want to do life together. When it's birthdays and it's somebody in our life group, I always tend to see everybody. In fact, I'll tell you something that made me really proud. It was Nathan, Nathan's birthday last November, and uh, he wanted us to do a birthday party for him, but we're all birthdayed out. We don't want to do any more birthday parties. We're all tired. We're getting old, right? So we said, Nathan, we can't do a birthday party, um, but we'll do a, a small birthday party. You can invite a few friends. We, we, we can't invite a whole lot of people, but just a few friends. We're going to do something small, right? And, and we said, Nathan, who would you want to invite? Give us the names of the kids you want to invite. You know what names he gave us? Of all the kids that are in our life group, those were his friends. Those were the ones he wanted in his birthday party. I love that. I love that. And I know that if you have kids and your kids were not invited, you're like, yeah, but I don't love that. (laughs) Don't look at the cup half empty. Look at the cup half full. Amen? Now, let me give you this illustration. As your kids begin to grow, Wouldn't you want them? Wouldn't you want the closest relationships they have to be with people in church? If you're married, wouldn't you want your spouse's closest friends to be people from church? Not some bum at work that's going to invite him to the bar or to a strip club or to do something dumb. 
So the second way that we nurture community is in life groups. If you're not in a life group, get in one. My brother and my, and my sister-in-law just began one this semester, and they're so excited about it. Amen? They're so excited. We need more. We need more. Somebody was talking about starting a life group at the gym. I'll join that one too. You know, maybe you can start one during the day for moms that, that don't have little ones or that have kids during school. You can come to church. We want to have all kinds of life groups. So if you're not in one, maybe you can create one. Amen? So we want to do life groups. The third thing, the third thing that we nurture, the third way that we nurture community is by working as a team in a ministry. By working as a team in a ministry. We grow together when we are working and improving the church together. And if you're not serving in a way, like I want to encourage you to get in a way. You know, I'm jealous of the worship team. You see those guys are always hanging out together. In fact, we're leaving and they're still talking out there. I'm like, what, what are they doing here? Like, you know, I, I, I look at the CL people and any CL person comes up here and they automatically get the biggest cheer in the world. Right? Because that's, that's community. Look at our kids' ministry. Have you seen what amazing work the people in the kids' ministry are doing? Yes. Amen? And, and you grow together. You bond when you serve. Pastor Tony's going to let you know in a minute about a couple, a couple of needs that we have in our welcome center, in our parking, in our church impressions, in our multimedia, which has to do with lights, lyrics, social media, photography, graphic design, all that stuff. But another way that you can grow in your community is by serving in a team. And then the last one, the last one, and I'm done, is by bonding through special occasions. By bonding through special occasions. Which are these, Pastor? Well... Uh, let, let me give you a few. We've done church at the park. Why do we do church at the park? Because Pastor Nestor doesn't have enough on his plate? No, because we want to nurture community. We want to hang out with each other. We want to laugh with each other outside of church. So we have a couple of those planned this year. We hope you join us. Next Sunday is another great opportunity, right? Next Sunday, we're going to have some food. Don't run to your car and get out of here. Listen, we want to nurture community. In fact, I want to challenge you to sit with somebody you don't know and get to know them. Because the stronger our bonds are, the stronger our church is going to be. The better of a person you're going to be. And here's the most simple one, the cafe. Why do we have a cafe at church, Pastor Nestor? Because we want to be hip? No. Because we want to sponsor your caffeine addiction? No. You know why we have a cafe? Because we want to nurture relationships. We want to nurture community. I'm not interested in, in caffeinating you. I'm not. Or else we would do it before the church. So you wouldn't fall asleep during the sermon. The reason we do it is so that you can get to know other people. So that you can, so that you can fellowship with other people. But if you don't take advantage of those opportunities and you run out of here like we're going to charge you rent, you'll never grow in your community. By the way, I just want to thank the cafe team. They do such an amazing job. I don't know. I don't know if you got to go to the cafe last week, but Marianne had like these pancakes of oatmeal. Like, it was amazing. Uh, I, I, got, I got one. I don't know what they, but, but they're amazing. And by the way, 
Thank you, thank you, because our cafe runs through your donations. Did you know that? We don't pour any money into the cafe. Whatever you give is what sustains the cafe. Whatever people give is what sustains the cafe. Also, Maria's daughter brings us a bunch of bagels every Sunday. Have you enjoyed that? We haven't had those during the fast because they're not fast-friendly. But once the fast is done, those bagels will come back. And I don't know if you know this, but each of those bagels sells for like $6 at the store. At least that's what Maria tells me. Amen? And you get them here for free. So, but why do we do all that? Community. 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 Amen? So... As you seek to get closer to the Lord, seek to get closer to other people. Amen? It is wrong to believe that as long as you're close to God, you don't need to be close to others. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.